This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, October 3rd, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. The standard bearers of conservative opinion effectively shut out skepticism about the Iraq War in 2002 and 2003, and that ill-fated decision helped launch the American Conservative magazine. John Utley is associate publisher of the American Conservative. We spoke in Asheville, North Carolina this weekend. If you had to offer a critical evaluation of conservatism as it exists today, what would you say? Well, uh, it's it's taken over by its base. The Republican Party, if you will, is taken over by its base, whereas the conservative movement is, is somewhat old and uh, uh, doesn't think very much in the of new ways or new things, uh, it's typified by the older conservatives. And the the big change coming, I think, is the libertarian influence on conservatives. So the, this Young Americans for Liberty uh, is, is a libertarian group, has replaced uh, Young Americans for Freedom, that was the old con- sort of dying. Uh, the conservatives, uh, and the conservatives don't think that much, most of them. It's still the sort of Cold War. They look at the rest of the world like it was the, the Soviets. Uh, they all hate us. The third world all hates us because we're good or because they're socialist or whatever. It's very, it's very disorganized, and, and we're seeing that in the, um, in the election. It seems like uh, you see an intellectual groundswell at some point, like in, in the 50s and, and early 60s, and then that sort of washes over a party, well, and, you, and you get benefits. Well, we've seen that with the Ron Paul campaign, when half of the American youth under 30 um, generally support Ron Paul's positions, and they're totally ignored by the conservative establishment, pretending they don't even exist. Look at the Romney campaign. Uh, those important people. And so as they, there's a cynical view as they grow up and get jobs, perhaps in the military-industrial complex or whatever, they become more conservative. But I don't think so. Young people bring freshness and they bring integrity. Older people get have compromised in their lives. They, they're set in their ways. They don't want to change. Uh, younger people are, are fresh and they start, and it's, that's a big influence in America. In what specific areas do you see uh, libertarianism having a pr- positive influence on uh, conservative thinking or conservative standard-bearer issues? Well, uh, I'm more into foreign policy, but you have to say in the social issues, it's a, it's a tolerance today that, that uh, uh, is just different younger take arizona where they are so against immigrants it's not it's all older people because it's a threat to their way of life or their the way they want life to be whereas younger people don't have those issues um but now on foreign policy the big point is the younger people there's a lot of uh, uh, idea that america uh, should uh, one pursue its ideals in a real sense uh, not become taken up with wars, and uh, they are uh, certainly have to look at the expending of what's what will be done to their futures by the the way things have been going. Not only the debt that's put on students is, is terrible, and how could a society, if you will, the older people inflict on the young that they come out of uh, education with these tremendous debts? It's just it's terrible. On foreign policy, again, the younger people are uh, generally supportive of Ron Paul. There's a great. It's the older, established conservatives uh, 
I use the example, you know, I'm with the American, mag, uh, conservative, American conservative magazine. We started in the, at the time of the Iraq War because the whole conservative establishment, the, you say, the Wall Street Journal op-ed, the National Review, the Heritage Foundation, the Washington Times, uh, all of them were pro-war, and no one against the war could, could get it published. Could you talk about that specifically a little bit? Because you're talking about, one, the genesis of the American conservative magazine, which has a, mm-hmm. has a decidedly different bent on foreign policy than a lot of standard-bearer Republicans, but also uh, the fact that the so-called conservative establishment had effectively shut out minority opinion. The magazine started with Pat Buchanan's best known for being against the war. Uh, the American conservative. I I come as I was a foreign correspondent. I was well known in the in communist times. At least I was on the Voice of America a long time. I knew how to fight communism. And when the communists collapsed, we want to to cease this great military state. We cannot keep our freedoms if we're constantly at war. So we see the new uh, National Defense Authorization Act, where it becomes a crime. Uh, support, in quotes, support for terrorism. That's the, an infringement on free speech. It's going to start anyone who opposes the war or whatever is, is supporting terrorists. That's, Republicans pass those kind of laws. So there's a res, we started the magazine as a resistance. Many good writers could not get published in the conservative establishment, Wall Street Journal op-ed, National Review, uh, Heritage Foundation. They couldn't get a voice. Uh, the Wall Street Journal had nothing opposed to starting the Iraq War and, and everything in favor of it until Brent Scowcroft, the national security advisor to the first Bush, had a major article, which they couldn't avoid perhaps publishing, warning of the disaster that they were attacking Iraq would inflict upon America. That was one article. By then, of course, it was. I published uh, a website. Uh, a web page called Bush Administration Lies was the top of Google search for eight years and lies about Iraq. We, we, all this information was out. We could not get it published in the major conservative uh, media. I guess it was, it was proven then we've gotten in, into these wars that are unending. We cannot keep our liberties if we, with unending war. But as far as the f- future of conservatism, coming back a moment, uh, it's been suggested the Republican primaries or, or serious candidates should not go through the Iowa caucuses. Uh, a lot of good people would not run for the presidency for, on the Republican ticket because of the, the way the primaries are set up. And so something has to change there. But also the base of the Republican Party is generally older uh, whites mostly and males mostly who look at the world like the Cold War, that the Soviets were the great threat. They see any, they think force and power is the way to resolve any problem overseas, that uh, the military is first. There's very little understanding of the outside world, and we see partly with the, uh, the tremendous um, animosity to in- immigrants, I won't say controlling immigration, but the animosity expressed in the primaries. Uh, And so that base is going to be older four years from now. They'll be less influential. The libertarians are are the growing influence on the conservative party. The the new thinking, the uh, 
original ideas all come from libertarians. There's very little among the conservatives. It's interesting for me to watch the things that Mitt Romney has been going around saying while he's running for president that apparently just ruffle no feathers whatsoever. He's been going around saying, we can't possibly cut military spending using sequestration because of the jobs that will be lost, which is just anathema to anybody who sort of understands some of the basic economics of the situation. It all, should also be anathema to anybody who thinks, well, building war machines isn't the best thing to do all the time. Of course, preposterous to say now Republicans complain about the Democrats that Keynesian, the government spending doesn't produce real jobs. Well, military spending is the most wasteful it really now there's some technological fallout, no doubt, that helps. But military spending, I use the example when they build a bridge to nowhere in Alaska. Uh, it was, cons- it was in the media. They're building, they're spending billions on a bridge. But if you build what I say a missile to nowhere, no one knows. Should a missile cost one million dollars or ten million? Is the extra tweak, extra feature that allows it to dip or something worth an extra ten million per missile, or is it not? Uh, we have an example of the oil pans for helicopters. New York Times had a reporter, a Republican congressman on the Armed Services Committee, was getting a, a company in his district to uh, get Pentagon orders for $17,000. That's one seven thousand seventeen for oil pans. That's the pan that collects oil for drips from an engine for the helicopters. When the military already bought these from someone else for two thousand. But that went through because it's a contractor in his district. So the whole, there's so many ways to cut military. It's become so corrupted, and it corrupts Congress because of the easy money and the going to their districts. And the F-22 and F-35 are produced in 44 states. They have parts manufacturers in key congressional districts. I spoke a while back to Susan Eisenhower uh, about yes. military yes. spending on the 50th anniversary of Eisenhower's farewell address from office. Do you suspect that part of the problem among uh, conservatives, or I should say really just rank-and-file Republicans, is uh, the fact that our wars are less costly in terms of manpower these days? That is to say, so few members have served oh, in the military. Ab- and absolutely. She- War is entertainment. It's not. You sit home with a a beer or a cup of coffee and watching the, the beautiful planes taking off aircraft carriers and the tanks rumbling through the deserts and shooting off in the distance. War, war doesn't, is unco- and we borrow the money from the Chinese to fight the war. I mean, the, the whole point, Cato's made studies, I think, of the, where the budget goes. Um, yes, war is easy and it doesn't cost much and it makes us feel good and tough, like we're winning, as if... I don't know what we won out there. Uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, by the way, you mentioned uh, Eisenhower's farewell address. I, I, we had at CPAC, uh, she, she spoke, Susan Eisenhower, and showed his actual speech, and it's on the Internet. It's just fantastic, the, how erudite, how well it, it explains everything. I'd, I'd suggest Everyone should listen to that speech, and you can find it on the Internet. And it's especially interesting because you're talking about somebody who was a major figure within the military yeah, for a course. very long time. He was, brief, however briefly, the president of a university, so he understood, like, bureaucracy, as Bill Niskanen understood right. bureaucracy. And at the end of his presidency, he says, I don't really know how to deal with this. He warned to watch it and be careful. Uh, and 
where it goes. And, and of course, that's the point today. The, there's a knee-jerk thing among conservatives that we spend more on the military. It's not the most important thing is to keep the American economy prosperous and intact. And then no one can touch us. When, and if there's a real threat, we can handle it, but not if we bankrupt ourselves. So what do you tell uh, a young person who uh, has self-consciously identified as a conservative and said, I'm a conservative? What do you, what do you tell them about uh, what they need to think about going forward? Well, the point about conservatism in terms of Edmund Burke, it means preserving the best of the past. It doesn't mean stopping or going backwards. It's preserving the best of our past civilization and maintaining solvency of your country is vital. Every empire, in fact, the Romans, it was all, they clipped coins in those days. We do it other ways. But the way down is the, is the empire overreaches. This is, this is the whole history. And the, the Tea Party, let me add, it was a very fresh and helpful breeze was undermined by the Republican establishment that said, don't cut a nickel from defense. Well, if that's where the money is. Willie Sutton, the bank robber, said, you have to go where the money was. It's defense, it's uh, Medicare and Medicaid. If you're not going to cut defense, you can't then go to the other programs. If you're spending two to $300 million on a fighter plane, on a, when we already rule the skies, I might add, uh, how can you deny a few thousand, or it becomes millions, for, for health care for children, of the poor, for poor children? You just can't deny it. And this started with Bismarck, the first warfare welfare state, if you will, was Bismarck. And he in introduced the social welfare programs into Europe, tied into a big military. And they each uh, lobbies for each end up supporting each other. John Utley is associate publisher of The American Conservative. You can read more about war and its unintended consequences at our website, cato.org.